game one of the series of the year kind of started the way we thought it would. Back and forth between the Orioles and the Rays, but unfortunately, Tampa Bay comes out on top in game one. I'll recap the first game of the O's Rays series, plus talk about Heston Kerstad debuting. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, September 15th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap a tough Game 1 loss for the Orioles, the series that really could define their season. Started at Camden Yards on Thursday night, and the Rays took down the Orioles 4-3. to I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including the Orioles struggling once again with runners in scoring position and really offensively in general. Home plate umpire Nick Marley kind of making things about himself and Kyle Bradish strong again on the mound for the O's. Then we'll talk about the plethora of roster moves that the Orioles made before Thursday's game, including Heston Kerstad come to the big leagues and the good news the Orioles got on Ryan Mountcastle's shoulder issue. And finally, at the end of the pod, we preview the final three games of this crucial series between the O's and the Rays. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So we begin this episode with, unfortunately, an Orioles loss. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Thursday night is the Rays 4 and the Orioles 3 in Game 1 of an incredibly important four-game set between the best two teams in the American League in Baltimore this weekend. With the loss to the Rays, of course, Tampa Bay inches even closer. The Orioles' lead over Tampa is just one game now in the AL East as the Orioles drop to 91-55 and 55 on the season. And it is now a three-game losing streak for the Orioles after they dropped the final two games of the series this week against the Cardinals. First three-game losing streak for the Orioles since they lost four in a row from June 27th to July 1st. They lost two at home against Cincinnati, then two at home against Minnesota. That was part of their worst stretch of the season when they lost six out of seven games against those two teams and then in New York against the Yankees the next week as well. And then they turned things around really right after that. Hopefully this doesn't turn into losing six out of seven, but it is kind of amazing that the last time they lost three in a row, you have to go back to June. That's how good this Orioles team has been all season. But it's a crucial series. O's need at least one game to stay in first place to get that tiebreaker. Would have been great to get the opener, but they lose 4-3. to three. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this game on Thursday night. And the first thing you need to know is the Orioles once again squandered their biggest chance of the game. That has been, without a doubt, the Orioles' number one issue in this three-game losing streak. It is hitting with runners in scoring position. And on one hand, it's very surprising and on one hand, it's not. The surprising sense is the Orioles this year for most of the year and coming into Thursday night's game have been the best team in baseball hitting with runners in scoring position. The Orioles 286 batting average with runners in scoring position this year entering 
the day on Thursday, was the best in baseball. Number two in baseball, the Rays at 282, and they came through in a couple of those spots on Thursday. But that's how good the O's have been, even with these three games in which the Orioles have been two for 21 with runners in scoring position combined. They are still number one in baseball. Those only two that they got was a Santander RBI single Tuesday night, and then the Jordan Westberg weird bunt single that didn't even score a run in the game Thursday night. Those are the two hits with runners in scoring position. And now, the other hand on why it's not so surprising, it's really tough to have runners in scoring position be a stat that is repeatable, right? Because if you're a batter, especially if you're looking at batting average with runners in scoring position, it's really no different than runners not in scoring position. Now there's different spots, right? And you may be looking more to hit a fly ball at times because if you have a runner on third with one out, a fly ball helps you. If you have a runner on first with one out, a fly ball does nothing for you. Those are two different spots there where, yeah, hit helps you, but also getting the run home helps you as well. It's tough to maintain runners in scoring position averages. They're more based on somewhat luck than you know a hitter being quote-unquote clutch or better in those spots. So the Orioles were bound to normalize at some point, but it is surprising because they really haven't gone through a stretch like this this year. It was a big problem for the O's in 2022. They've been the best team in baseball this year. One of the main reasons why they've got the best record in the American League is how good they've been with runners in scoring position. It stinks that it's kind of going away for a bit now, but it, it kind of is what it is at this point. And listen, you know, it's not just runners in scoring position, right? The offense is not looking great right now for the Orioles. They have now scored a total of five runs in the three games that they have lost, two to the Cardinals and one to the Rays after getting shut out Wednesday. They do put three runs on the board Thursday. But, you know, after they squandered that chance in the fifth inning, which was really the big moment, I mentioned it briefly, but the Orioles were trailing 3-2 to two coming into the inning. Aaron Savali, the starter for the Rays, was back out there. And the worst part of this, the part that hurt the most, is... They got some breaks, like the Rays opened the door for the Orioles in that inning. Cedric Mullins with a perfect bunt single down the third baseline to lead off the inning. Then they walk Aaron Hicks. It was Savale's only walk of the day. He walked Aaron Hicks on a 3-2 breaking ball to put the first two on. Then Jordan Westberg squares to lay down a sacrifice bunt. Now, I wasn't a fan of laying down the bunt. I, I rarely am. But the Rays kind of let it drop because they had a chance to turn a double play if they did. But then Christian Bethencourt just forgot to pick the ball up two times. And all of a sudden, the Orioles had the bases loaded with nobody out. Gifted that chance. And Adam Frazier hit into a fielder's choice, 6-4. to four, Got one out. Scored the run to tie the game at three and put runners on the corners. Yeah, you would love for Adam Frazier to get a hit there and maybe give the Orioles the lead. But with the way Adam Frazier has hit this year and the player he is, just not a guy who's going to strike out a lot, he's going to put the ball in play. Frazier kind of did his job there. Put the ball in play, stayed out of the double play, got the run home to tie the game and flipped the order over to the top. It was basically all you could ask, I feel like, from Adam Frazier in that spot. And Adley Rutschman, you know, the Orioles have been the best team in baseball, production-wise, swinging at the first pitch, and Adley gets a good first pitch from Savali. Kind of a hanging breaking ball, looking to do damage at the very least, you know, hit a fly ball and give the Orioles a 4-3 to lead. And unfortunately, he just grounds one directly at the second baseman, 
Brandon Lau. Now he hit it hard, right? He hit it 102 off the bat. He smashed the ball, but smashed it right into the ground. Rays turn the double play, get out of the inning. The O's get just one, and they only tie the game at three, and that really came back to bite the Orioles. That was their one big chance with the bases loaded, and it was great that they got the one. The way they've been hitting earlier in the week, you were concerned maybe they wouldn't even get the one. It was nice that they got the one to tie the game, but they needed more in that spot. You know, The Rays are not going to budge an inch and that is what we saw from the Rays' bullpen because after Savali got that double play, his night was done. The Rays went to the pen in the sixth in a 3-3 game. And the Rays' bullpen went 12 up and 12 down against the Orioles. The O's did not have a base runner in the final four innings against Colin Poche, Sean Armstrong, Robert Stevenson, and Pete Fairbanks. They combined to retire all 12 batters and combined for seven strikeouts against those 12 batters. The Orioles just, the offense wasn't there. Now, Credit to the Rays' bullpen, which has been unbelievable lately. That is now 34 consecutive innings. Let me say this again. 34 consecutive innings for the Rays' bullpen without allowing an earned run. That is an absurd number right now. So they have been on one recently, but the O's offense kind of helping them out, just not super locked in right now. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' 4-3 loss to the Rays on Thursday is that at least they did square off up the ball a couple of times and did get on the board. Like, they got shut out by Drew Rahm and others of the Cardinals on Wednesday. So at the very least, the O's got on the board, and I mentioned the Adam Frazier RBI grounder as the third run, but it was nice to see the Orioles leave the ballpark in this game as well. Started with a Ryan O'Hearn home run in the bottom of the second inning that had the crowd bump in, put the O's up one nothing against the Rays and Savali. That second-inning home run for O'Hearn, 106 off the bat, 409 feet to right field to give the O's the lead. And then Gunnar Henderson in the fourth inning, also a leadoff solo homer, made it a 3-2 game at the time after the Rays put up that three spot in the third. That was just an absolute laser line drive from Gunnar Henderson that just snuck over the short wall above the uh, where the grounds crew sits in right field. Henderson smoked it 111 off the bat. 383 feet was just enough to get it out of here for a solo shot. But that was about it. The Orioles had four hits in this game. It was the two homers and then the two bunt singles in the fifth inning. The great one from Mullins and the weird play for Westberg that ended up loaded the bases and giving him a single. Those were their four hits. What a dichotomy of two homers and two bunt singles. It's kind of the spot we're in with the O's offense at the moment. Third thing you need to know from Thursday night's game is that Nick Marley certainly made this game about himself. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, and specifically this year, you know that you know the Orioles have really only been playing meaningful baseball for about a season and a half now since I've been hosting this podcast. So it's hard to get on the umpires a lot when I'm recapping every single game. And even when every game has been crucial, especially here in 2023, I like to think rarely have I even named an umpire. When recapping a game on this podcast, you could probably count on one hand how many times I've done that. Nick Marley was determined to make this thing about himself. It was from the first inning when he rung up Anthony Santander on a pitch well inside to end the first. Now, granted, it was a big, weird strike zone for both teams. For most of the game, it didn't really feel like it was benefiting, benefiting either side. Nobody knew where the strike zone was. Sometimes it was tall. Sometimes it was down low. Sometimes it was wide. Then he would shrink it. Nobody really know, but at least it was kind of hurting both teams' batters. And, uh, well, that was until the seventh inning and the pivotal moment in this game. Two outs, nobody on, 3-3 game in the seventh. 
Kyle Bradish throws a 1-1 breaking ball to Luke Raley. Looked for sure like he went around. Third base umpire said no, calls it ball two. Then Kyle Bradish paints a fastball on the outside corner, a pitch that had been a strike all day, and honestly, a couple more baseballs off the edge had been a strike all day. Gets called a ball for no reason. Bradish a bit flustered. Horrible call, makes it three and one. And that completely changes what Kyle Bradish wants to do with his next pitch. Instead of on two and two, probably going to one of his signature breaking balls, unfortunately, he goes to the fastball, leaves it up, and Luke Raley gets the game-winning homer. A two-out solo shot to center field that put the Rays up four to three in the seventh and was the difference in the game. But Marley just all day was bad. And when he rung up, or when Ryan O'Hearn struck out, but he called two poor strikes in the final at-bat of the game, O'Hearn had words for him after the game, and Marley went back at O'Hearn. One thing you're not supposed to do, and he's a rookie umpire. Now, he's been umpiring big league games since 2017, but 2023 is his first full-time season where he's on a crew for the entire year. That is a big step up for an umpire. And knowing that, it's pretty easy to say with what was on the line in this game, this was probably the biggest game Marley has ever umpired. And in classic ump fashion, I'm just not saying that's the reason the O's lost the game. They know why am I saying that, but he, he knew this game was on Fox. He knew this game was with the division on the line, and uh, a rookie ump certainly made it all about him like they've been known to do on Thursday night. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, speaking of Kyle Bradish, yes, he did give up that homer to Luke Raley, did take the loss in this game, but Bradish was a dog once again. I mean, no better way to say it. He had that dog in him on Thursday night, and he was really good. Again, seven innings for Kyle Bradish, four-run baseball, seven hits, five strikeouts, and no walks for Bradish. 100 pitches on the dot. Again, that one homer was the killer in the seventh inning. Now, the Rays did square him up a little bit, right? They had 10 hard-hit balls in seven innings, but I just loved, again, what I saw from Kyle Bradish on Thursday night. It was only 10 whiffs on 50 swings. It wasn't his best swing and miss stuff. Wasn't his best slider by any means. Wasn't his best sinker by any means. But he did what he had to do to keep the O's in this game. And things unraveled against him a little bit in the third inning. You know, he lets a couple of base runners on. Brandon Lau has the RBI single. A Rosarena has the two-run triple. All of a sudden, the Rays are up 3-1. to one. You got a runner on third with one out. And he does a great job of getting a pop out and then a strikeout to keep it at 3-1. to one. And then he goes 0 in the fourth, 0 in the fifth, 0 in the sixth. And he was one out away from a 0 in the seventh and ending his day as a hero, going seven strong against the Rays and really rebounding after a tough third inning. And just a bad break and a bad pitch changed this game. I mean, I I 100% agree with the fact that he was still in the game. He should have still been in the game. Even if Raleigh got on but didn't hit the homer, I thought Braddish should have still been able to at least face the nine-batter Bethancourt before they went to the bullpen. He was really good. It was unfortunate what happened in that seventh inning. But he continues to show that he is the ace of this Orioles staff. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Lost Thursday is that Heston Kerstad made his Major League debut for the Orioles. We'll get to it a little bit later about all the roster moves that brought Kerstad up to the big leagues on Thursday. But kind of an interesting spot, right, for Kerstad to make his debut. He pinch hits in the eighth inning to lead off the bottom of the eighth with the Orioles trailing 4-3, to three, Robert Stevenson, the right-hander, coming out of the Rays' bullpen. Westberg, the righty, was due up, was 1-for-2 with a single so far on the day. And Brandon Hyde goes to the power-hitting lefty, Heston Kerstad. I saw a lot of people say, you know, why would you put a rookie in that spot? You know, eighth inning, this big of a game. I actually kind of think it was a pretty solid spot to go to Kerstad. You know, Westberg's had a good year, 
but he's been better against lefties and he hasn't shown a whole lot of power. And especially with the left field wall at Camden Yards, you're not likely to see a home run from Jordan Westberg there. However, with the way the Orioles have been swinging the bat, down one in that game, you really did feel like you just needed somebody to run into one, hit a homer, tie the game, and kind of reset late. And I felt like if that's where you were going offensively, and the way the Rays were pitching and the way the Orioles were hitting, that kind of felt like the only way to tie this game. I would trust Heston Kerstad from the left side with the shorter wall with the better power than Westberg to run into one more than Westberg would. And yes, it's tough to ask him to do that in his first major league at bat coming off the bench in the eighth inning. And he did strike out, you know, a couple of nasty breaking balls on 2-1 and 2-2 and two and two to get Heston Kerstad swinging. But it was cool, you know, got a standing ovation from the crowd before the at-bat, even after the strikeout, got a standing O as well. Just what a moment for Kerstad. Everything he's fought back from to get into a big league game in September in a moment like that. Yeah, it was unfortunate he struck out, but I thought it was a cool place to get him in. I thought it was kind of a smart place to get him into the game and thought it was a really cool moment for Kerstad and the Orioles fans. But unfortunately, he couldn't deliver and it was kind of welcome to the club for the Orioles offense that just could not deliver in the 4-3 to loss to the Rays in game one on Thursday. And I'm starting to think like, am I the problem here? I was at the yard Thursday for the loss. I was also there on Tuesday. I've been to 15 games now this season, plan to go to at least a few more. The Orioles are seven and eight when I am at the ballpark at this point. That is a 467 winning percentage. And that's a pretty big sample size for a team that's 91 and 55 and is 43 and 29 at home. It is pretty difficult, I feel like, to go to 15 games and have a losing personal record. When I am there, again, the Orioles are 7-8 and eight in home games. When I am not there, 7-8 and eight is a 467 winning percentage. When I am not there, the Orioles are 36-21. and 21. That is a 632 winning percentage at home. I'm planning to go Saturday. Should I not? Sound off in the comments. Am I the problem? Am I doing it to the Orioles? Maybe at this point. Maybe I am. But the O's fall to the Rays 4-3, game one of this crucial, crucial series. But before that game one on Thursday, the O's made a good number of roster moves as well. It was kind of a Pepe Silvia situation with all the moving parts for the O's. We'll break down all of them coming up next, tell you why they made all these moves and why they decided to bring Heston Kerstad up to the big leagues for the first time. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, you might be asking, what is Jace Medical? What is a Jace case? Well, Jace Medical is simple. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications sent right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. And the company is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. So the Orioles fell to the Tampa Bay Rays in a crucial Game one of the four games set 4-3 to three on Thursday night. But before that game, they did make some roster moves. And I talked about it when recapping the game. The Orioles got Heston Kerstad in there 
on Thursday night's game to make his major league debut. Now, he did strike out in the eighth inning in his first ever plate appearance, but it was cool to see him up there. And, you know, Andy Casca of the Baltimore Banner had reported late Thursday night after Ryan Mountcastle had left Wednesday's game with injury that Heston Kerstad had been removed from the AAA game and was joining the Orioles in Baltimore. Now, we didn't know yet if they would actually activate him to the roster, but we knew he was at least getting there and some was going to depend on how severe Mountcastle's injury was. Well, they activated Heston Kerstad to the roster. He will wear number 13, which is, uh, hey, they're giving it to a real player after Manny Machado. A 116 WRC plus in AAA for Kerstad, the Orioles' number four prospect, according to Fangraphs. And, I mean, really what a story it has been for Heston Kerstad to get to the big leagues after being drafted second overall out of Arkansas by the Orioles in 2020. Then, you know, basically during the height of COVID, has about with myocarditis a heart issue, basically puts him on the shelf for a year. He's trying to get himself back. He's not cleared to play. He finally gets cleared to play and then has a pretty severe hamstring injury in spring training in 2022. He misses the first half of that season. And finally, in June of last year, he comes back to play minor league baseball, gets himself through the low minors. Then this year starts in double A, hits the ball like crazy, moves to triple A, has a great season in triple A. And then an opening came with a Mountcastle injury and here he is in the big leagues. Now, there's a lot of moving parts to what the Orioles did roster-wise on Thursday. But let me first say the best news, better than Kirsten coming up, is that seems like Ryan Mountcastle is going to be okay. He left that game Wednesday. He was not looking good in the post-game interviews. He was saying he was worried about his shoulder. Well, Mountcastle's MRI was apparently clean. He is day-to-day. Brandon Hyde said he may have even been available off the bench Thursday. That probably wasn't the case, but he could be available tonight on Friday, potentially for the O's. But it seems like at worst, he'll maybe miss the weekend and then be back for the O's next week. That is a really good sign after we were kind of fearing the worst after he left in the third inning Wednesday night with that injury. But even with the good Mountcastle news, the Orioles still decided to activate Heston Kerstad. And they had a little bit of an issue because not only did they have to put Kerstad on the active roster to get him up here, they also had to put him on the 40-man roster And the 40-man was full, so they had to make a move there. This is where the Orioles went full Charlie Day, Pepe, Sylvia to get Heston Kerstad here without DFAing anyone off the 40-man roster. Kind of a slick move by Mike Elias and his staff. So the first thing they did was they actually, before they even called up Heston Kerstad, they called up Taryn Vavra, technically, to the majors. Now, Vavra has been on the AAA Norfolk injured list for a while with a shoulder issue and he tried to come back with a rehab stint a couple of weeks ago didn't go well they shut him back down essentially Vavra is done for the season in AAA but when you're on the AAA injured list that doesn't mean even if you are on the 40-man roster that you count towards the major league injured list so they called up Vavra to do that though they had to demote someone and that player basically ended up being Nick Vespi because before they even made the Kerstad move, they had to get someone off the 40-man. So they had to make these other moves first. So they send down Nick Vespi. It's unfortunate for Vespi, who came back Wednesday and it is immediately sent down Thursday. That is his fifth and final option, which means he's still fine. He's used up his full five options that you are allotted. But if Vespi were to come back to the big leagues this year and then the Orioles wanted to send him down again, they would have to send him through waivers, which basically tells me between that and the fact he'll have to wait 15 days from being optioned. Vespi's time in the big leagues in 2023 with the Orioles 
most likely done. It's unfortunate, but he was kind of the easiest guy to send down in this spot. So you send Vespi down and Vavra comes up. And then because you know Vavra is out for the year, you immediately put him on the major league 60-day injured list. And what happens when you get put on the 60-day IL? You get taken off of the 40-man roster. So that move itself cleared up a spot on the 40-man. So then you had 15 hitters and 13 pitchers briefly. Now you have 14 hitters and 13 pitchers. Then you make the move for Heston Kerstad. You call him up. Here we go. Heston Kerstad is here. But now you're a little lopsided, right? You'd like to make the most of the pitching that you have, especially when you're the Orioles right now. So 15 bats and 13 arms probably wasn't going to cut it. They wanted another different arm. So because Ryan McKenna has basically been a pinch runner and defensive replacement at this point with the extended rosters and he has options, McKenna goes back down to AAA and they need another pitcher. And so Brian Baker returns to the big leagues for the Orioles. Now, I know there's a lot of questions about, well, why did you even need to make the Vespi move with Baker? That didn't seem right. Well, the Baker and Vespi moves don't actually match up. The Vespi move was for Vavra, then Vavra for Kerstad, then you want to get back to 14 pitchers, so you go Baker for McKenna. It was very convoluted. Nick Vespi basically got caught up in the middle of all this, but that is how the Orioles worked it, so they could get Heston Kerstad here without having to DFA anyone that's currently on the 40-man. Now, the reason why they made this move, even with Mountcastle seemingly okay and could be available even tonight, is that the Tampa Bay Rays are throwing all four pitchers right-handed starters this weekend in this series, which means not only is Ryan McKenna not really playing much right now anyway, but with four right-handed starters, he's not going to start a game at all this weekend. But you could start a left-handed power hitter in Heston Kerstad. And if you're looking at Ryan Mountcastle, even if he's not going on the IL, you probably think, okay, he's going to be out for a couple of days. If you have Mountcastle on the bench out for a couple of days, can't use him at all, can't start him. Then you have McKenna on the bench against all right-handers, not going to start him. Then you have also Mateo on the bench against all right-handers, not going to start him. In the biggest series in over 10 years for the Orioles, it is really tough to have three players on your bench who you don't plan to use much at all, at least for a couple games in this series, and you definitely don't plan to have in the starting lineup. So that is the reason why they went and got Kerstad, because even though he wasn't in the starting lineup Thursday, he could theoretically start one of these games this weekend and you just wouldn't start McKenna or Mateo or an injured Mountcastle. That's kind of how they got here. McKenna, I think, will be back for hitters. You only have to stay down in the minors for 10 days. If Mountcastle were to somehow still go on the injured list, McKenna would be able to come right back and replace him. If not, I think the O's in 10 days from now will reevaluate Heston Kerstad and they will say, okay, either he's produced enough to stay here or... He's not doing enough off the bench. We'd rather have the defense and the running of McKenna and kind of switch them back out 10 days from now, which would be September 24th. Kerstad will get those 10 days, though, to kind of show off. Now, he's certainly not going to play every day. It's just not going to happen, especially now that it seems Mountcastle's going to be okay in a couple of days here. So don't expect him in the lineup too, too much, but they'll use him as a pinch hitter. They'll get him some starts and kind of get his feet wet in the major leagues. And the last one, of course, was Brian Baker, sent down at the beginning of August after he was really struggling. 
He had a 3.64 ERA in the majors this year in 42 innings, 27 or 29% strikeout rate, 14% walk rate. Since he went down to AAA, 11 and two-thirds innings, a 5.40 ERA, but the strikeout rate went up, the walk rate went down, and he finally found the feel for his changeup again. Remember, I kept saying it when Baker was struggling and then when he went down. He just needs to go down and find the feel for the changeup again, which is his best pitch stuff-wise. I watched some of his outings in AAA. He found the change again. Hopefully, he can get back now to good Brian Baker. But that was a lot. It's still kind of confusing, but that is all the moving parts for the Orioles in those roster moves on Thursday. But we got one more thing to get to before we finish off the pod because, yes, it was a tough, tough loss for the Orioles Thursday night. But they still got three games against the Rays, and they can flip this series on its head easily this weekend. I will preview the final three games of this O's Rays series coming up next. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So yes, the Orioles did drop game one of this crucial series against the Rays, and their division lead is now down to one game. But they can flip things on its head this weekend. Three more games against the Rays. Here are the scenarios. If the O's win the next three, they will have a four-game lead in the division, and they will have the tiebreaker over the Rays, which will essentially mean it is a five-game lead at this point. And if you can win all three games, you will finish off this series with a magic number of eight to clinch the division. That, to me, sounds pretty good. Now... If the Orioles were to win two out of three of the rest of the weekend, I'd still call that a success. You split the series. You still have a two-game lead over the Rays. You still have the tiebreaker, which basically makes it a three-game lead at this point. And you get magic number down to 10. Still pretty solid. If they win one out of two to finish the weekend, not great. But you do remain tied with the Rays. You get the tiebreaker with that one win. And so you're still sitting in first place. Your magic number goes down to 12. If they do lose all three games the rest of the weekend, that's kind of nightmare scenario. They're now down two games in the division if that happens behind the Rays. And they lose the tiebreaker, which really means they're down three games. And it becomes a really tough hole to dig out of. But that's what's coming up the rest of the weekend. And it all continues tonight. A 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start between the O's and the Rays. Game two of four. The Orioles, well, they're going to go with Jack Flaherty. It hasn't been pretty lately, but this seems to be Flaherty's final shot to go out there and prove he belongs in this Orioles rotation. I kind of have a feeling he's going to step up and rise to the moment, but we shall see at a sold-out Camden Yards retiring Adam Jones as an Oriole. Should be a fun night at the ballpark. The Rays will go with Zach Eflin in this game, who has a 3-5-3 ERA on the season for the Rays, signed him to the biggest free agent contract in Tampa Bay Rays history this offseason. 
Three years, 40 million. But in 28 starts, he's been great with a 3.53 ERA. Coming off an okay start against Seattle, five innings, three runs, six Ks, two walks, and seven hits allowed. He's faced the Orioles twice this season, has Eflin back on July 21st in Tampa. Seven scoreless innings against the O's, eight Ks, one walk, and two hits. He was dominant. Not so much in his other start against Baltimore. That was May 9th at Camden Yards. Six innings, four runs on seven hits with four Ks and a walk, and Adley Rutschman took him deep in that one. Then we move to Saturday when I'll be back in the ballpark, another 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. The kid, Grayson Rodriguez, takes the hill for the Orioles. Had two really solid starts in his career so far against the Rays, and he'll go up against Tampa's ace, Tyler Glasnow, with his 3.15 ERA on the season in his 18 starts since coming back from injury. He's been great, although the Twins got to him a little bit in his last start. Six innings, four runs on six hits with eight Ks and two walks against Minnesota. Glasnow also has made two starts against the Orioles this season. July 20th at the Trop, seven innings, two runs, six hits, nine Ks, and no walks. He was great. June 20th, though, at the Trop, the Orioles were all over Glasnow. Four and a third innings, six runs, six hits, seven Ks, two walks, and they got two home runs, one from Aaron Hicks and one from Anthony Santander in that game. Would love to see more of that one on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, the series finishes off a 1.35 p.m. Eastern time start. Dean Kramer gets the ball for the Orioles, trying to turn things around. He's had two kind of rough starts in September, looking to get better. And that one has had one solid, really solid start against the Rays this year. And then Zach Littell will go for the Rays, the 27-year-old righty who the Rays claimed on waivers and basically turned from a reliever into a starter in the span of like three weeks this season. It was wild what they did. Overall, Littell has a 4.25 ERA in 78 and a third innings this season. But since the Rays have turned him into a starter, he's been great. Last start against Minnesota, seven innings, three runs, five hits, eight Ks, and no walks. He has faced the Orioles a few times as a reliever in his career, has Littell, but has never made a start against the Orioles. He's a heavy slider guy who also throw a four-seamer and a sinker in there and then drop in a splitter against left-handers. Hasn't been a huge strikeout guy most of the time with the Rays. Was really good with the Ks in his last start against Minnesota, but generally it's more about soft contact, pitching deep into games with low pitch counts. We'll see what the O's can do against Littell on Sunday. And you can listen to every single pitch of the final three games of this incredibly crucial ALE series. You can listen to every pitch of the O's hometown radio broadcast with the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. And when these three games are done, I'll be back with you on Monday. Could be the most exciting pod of the year. Could be quite a down-in-the-dumps pod. We shall see. But either way, I'll be back with you on Monday recapping this entire huge series between the Orioles and the Rays. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.